Curating a life of joy that is authentic, bold, and purposeful takes courage and confidence. The Joy Curator is a business brand, podcast, and lifestyle. You're listening to season six, and I'm your host, Kimberly Joy Evans, entertaining enthusiast, girl mama, and business consultant for heart-centered women, specializing in systems, time management, organization, and making it fun. Join me for happy hour as I bring you conversations with entrepreneurs, tastemakers, and extraordinary world changers who have gotten where they are through their authenticity, truth-telling, and commitment to showing up. I'm here to show you how to expand your confidence, expand your life and business as I navigate day-to-day life alongside with you, even when it's hard. No matter who you are, where you are from, or what you do for a living, my hope is that you will feel challenged to look within yourself, feel inspired, exchange your fears for courage, and know that you have a choice on how you show up. So let's curate some joy. Today on the Joy Curator Podcast, we are continuing our series on the joy of favorite things by chatting with Jana Dutton. She took her real-life coffee meetups that she has had with incredible individuals and turned it into a book called Conversations Over Coffee, and I am delighted to be one of the featured authors in it. We are chatting all about those ideas and turning them into stuff dreams are made of. Tune in as we chat all about how she brought this idea of connecting over coffee and turned it into something incredible, one cup at a time. Hello, Jana. Welcome back to the Joy Curator Podcast. Nice to see you again. You too. We've gotten to communicate and chat a lot in the background, but I haven't gotten to see your face and chat with you for a long time. So I'm so glad you're here today. Oh, thanks for having me again. This is this is going to be special and fun. It is. Oh, we have so many things to cover today. So we could go on many different topics here because you and I are never run out of things to talk about and say, but today we are talking about the upcoming book launch. <laughs> it's exciting. And nerve-wracking and scary all at the same time. Right? Mm -hmm. I want to dive into all of those things because I said to you right before we hopped on and clicked record, I said so very often, and I think we even hear this message over and over, but I think we need to be reminded of it, that we only see the finish line often. We see the book being launched. We see that it's there and we don't see the nervousness and the fear and the vulnerability and the tears and the finances and the money and the administrative and all of the things that come anytime we want to do anything in life, whether personally or professionally. And it it happens to everybody. It's, you know, And the typical thing that people share is like the whole iceberg, how you only see the tip out of the ocean and there's so much that goes on underneath or, or the duck is paddling furiously. And and yet on the top, all you see is him swimming. (laughs) And that's the way this project has been. Um, I have shed tears about the project. Um, When I was writing my own chapter, literally just tears, tears, like flowing and, and it was, um, I don't cry very often or very easily sometimes. So it was kind of intimidating, you know, to my loved ones as they'd come outside and went, oh my goodness, like you're crying, like, oh, and not knowing what to do to help me because I was so emotionally involved in writing my chapter. And so it has brought joy 
lots of joy, actually lots of joy and all the connections and all the excitement for everybody. But it's also sharing parts of me that most of the world knows nothing about. So a yes. lot of fear and, and nervousness and yeah, it's interesting. I want to start back from the beginning here and give the play-by-play as to how this Conversations Over Coffee became a book because that was not its original intention. And so I want to go back from the beginning and I would love for you to share with our, with my listeners on how this little idea of yours of just meeting up for coffee, which is brilliant because of your Tim Hortons backgrounds also, (laughs) gotta drink coffee, Mm -hmm. how this got started. Well, uh, let's, let's give it a bit of context first, right? Like, um, so what happened was, uh, it would start back in 2019, I would say the whole story. And I, I'm introverted by nature. And that means that I kind of fuel up by being alone. I'm, I'm not a big um, go out partier type of person. And I just, I like to recharge uh, kind of in my own way. But I was also an introvert that was a little bit shy and a little bit reserved. And so stars had asked me to do a big fundraiser for them. And I, I, I remember even my, my psychology. So what I believed about myself, the world around me and about others was in a very poor state at the time. And I remember being like leaning over at the table when they were asking me this point, why would they ask me to do this? Mm. Don't they know I can't talk to people, you know? And I was like, why would they ask me? And then in a moment of brilliance, I just happened to look up and the ladies on the other side of the table were just like oh, this, you know, no. and they were, and I was like, you think I can do this? Yeah. And they said, well, we do where we wouldn't have asked you. And I went, huh. and so I let that sink in for a moment. And I thought, well, if you think I can do it, why would I think I couldn't? Right. And so I accepted the challenge to go out and raise the money that they were looking for. And And so when I got out to the car that day, well, actually, first of all, when I walked out the door, I thought, well, if they think I can raise 50,000, I'm sure I can raise a (laughs) hundred. Challenge accepted. (laughs) But I got out to the car and I thought, okay, well, who is the person that could do this? You know, what does that person look like? Like, who did I believe that person looked like? And I wrote a whole page of the attributes of that person. And then I chose one attribute, which was um, the attribute of being able to walk into any room and talk to any person as what I would work on. Cause I knew that, you know, I had to, I had to change something within myself or to give myself the courage or the drive to mm-hmm. do it. And that would be the one that would have the greatest impact. And so I set to work in immediate action, right? So I made it a committed decision to do the, the project. And then I took immediate action and I went to the bookstore and I bought a book and I and I studied, you know, how to make small talk, you know, how to, and I, I still I love yeah. that. I love that. I want to just pause for a second because yeah. that I think is the missing piece sometimes where we see the finish line, but not the steps that it takes to get there. And step of buying a book and reading about it is a sub- substantial step rather than just sitting in fear and being like, I don't know what to do and letting that stop you from trying. That's right. And I think, and it's, it's happened to me before. I'm I'm not going to say it hasn't, right. That has stopped me from taking, doing something before, but, but I always say, you know, you just got to do the next right step. What feels right to you, you know, and you don't have to have a roadmap all the time. You know, um, 
there's, they talk about how planes are off course most of their journey to where they're going. All <laughs> adjustments that keeps them going in the right direction. And, and so that's what I did. You know, I went and bought this book and then I had a meeting um, planned in a different city. It must've been like right away. Cause I, I remember it being right away. And so I was reading the book on the plane on my way to the meeting where I would normally perch at the outside edge of the meeting and then escape when it was break time and come back just in time for the meeting to begin again, just so I didn't have to talk to people. I was just so dreadfully uh, nervous and shy. And and um, yeah, so it was really interesting. So, so conversations over coffee was actually a way for me to continue to talk to people. It was an exercise, right? So it was two things. I, I noticed that my customers were coming into the restaurant. My guests at the restaurant were not the same guests as they were, you know, in 2019 or beyond, like before that, right? Like everybody just had like a little bit of a melancholy stride, you know, and, and it wasn't the same atmosphere at all. And so um, a gentleman that I had met um, and the first volume is dedicated to him, actually, um, who I had met through LinkedIn. He had just messaged me on LinkedIn and, and asked me to go for a coffee. He came and met me at the restaurant and, and he had started doing something like this. So I reached out to him and said, like, hey, can I can I steal your idea? You know, I think I'm going to invite people to come and have coffee. And he said, please. He even gave me his message that he would oh. send to people. So I had a place to start, right? So, so that's another kind of a lesson, right? You don't always have to do everything from scratch. You know, if you find a model or a mentor, right? You can you can use some of their ideas and it shortens the time frame for you to get them, right? Yeah. And so, so I used him as my model. And so he gave me his, like the little blurb he sent out and and I edited it to be coming from me. And I, I said to my spouse, I said, I said, you know, hey, what if I contact all these strangers on LinkedIn and invite them for coffee. And he said, like, ooh, would do that. And I went, well, I hope somebody would, because <laughs> I've kind of decided to do it, right? And so I uh, I sent it out. And so that was uh, really late in 2020. I started sending out the messages and then started having coffee. And, and that's how it all began. So it began to kind of a way to connect. I think people were lacking that connection. All we really yeah. want is to and know that we matter right and and listening to people's stories and understanding about them a little bit tells them that you see them you don't have to agree with everything somebody says but just acknowledging that they have a reason and a purpose and so that's what the conversations did for both me and them wow I love that so while you were while you were like at what point in this process of having these um conversations so were you just sort of having coffee and just gleaning the information that they were talking to you about? Or would you like make notes or write anything down after you were done chatting with them? Or what was your process in that? Yeah, I, I did. I, I take notes and I would take a photo of us together. Right. And yeah. And I started just posting kind of like a little bit of a summary about them. And, and again, I kind of, th- I think it makes people feel like they were heard. Right. And mm-hmm. seen. And so it felt good for both of us. And I've done business with people, you know, I bought a car, you know, like, and, and it was a car. He said, like, you should go drive this car. I think you'd like it. And I was like, what? I, no, you know, why would I do that? And then I bought a car, you know, it's, it's so fascinating. And I've done business with a lot of the people and supported a lot of the people, but it was, 
everybody always asks me, well, what questions do you ask? And I said, questions. I said, there's no agenda. This is kind of like Seinfeld. Like it's, it's yeah. like, there's no agenda to this. You know, it's, it's a conversation and everyone is so unique and so different. And I think people have a bit of a conceptualization when they walk into the coffee about what will be talked about. And then they leave the coffee and I've had people in tears. I've had people giving me hugs. You know, it's, it's just a conversation. That's I it- love it. I can yeah. relate so much to what you're saying because that was the exact reason why I started this podcast. Mm. It was like, it gave almost a sense of, and I would imagine, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that maybe you felt this too, as you were reaching out to people, it almost gave the reach out less um, scare around it because it felt like it was a purposeful thing. Like, you know, like gone are the days, like, right. Like gone are the days of just like, I remember even like 20 years ago when I first started out in business where it was like, it wasn't that it was like strange to just connect with somebody and meet up with them, but it always felt like there had to be like a reason for it. And this podcast gave me just that one more turn of a reason of like, oh, well, we're going to do this with this and we're going to just have a conversation, but it's not just a conversation that nobody else will ever hear. We're going to share it too right. on top of that. So it kind of gave, it gave me more bravery to reach out to guests, some that I would have never in a billion years have had any reason to contact paths, cross or anything. But right. then like, just like you, it turns into often turns into something very different and you don't know where that path is going to lead at the time. And you really don't, right? Um, It's often said that you don't have to know the how of something. You just have to what you want, right? And subconsciously, um, we're going for it. And we, well, do you know what it is? I think when you have a goal in mind, you see more options, right? Mm. The optics are clearer, you know, the options just present themselves and because you're open to seeing them yes you can see them whereas if you didn't have a goal or you were focused on something different you wouldn't even notice um something happening in the background and and that's kind of where the book came from which is kind of where you were wanting me to get to like how did this become a book so a lady I knew I used to live in uh, the city of London in Ontario for a short time when I was well really young and I'd been introduced to a woman out there and she has been asking me to take part in a collaborative book project for years, years and years. And every time I say no. And, and on the inside, I say, why would anybody want to read my story? You know, that's what I was saying on the inside, right? Because all yeah. people see are, are the outside and me going out and buying a new restaurant or doing something else in the community, right? But they don't see what's happening on the inside. And I was thinking, why would anybody want to read my story? And this year, when she asked again, um <laughs> something something I I don't know why she kept asking you know but she did and so in fact I I just received my shipments of them yesterday oh, I well, yeah. Yay! Uh, yeah and so um so she asked me again and something told me you have mm. to start. you can't say no and so I said yes and I found myself saying yes and then and then having slight panic attacks afterwards and going like, why did I do this? Now I have to write a chapter. People are going to know I'm a writer. Well, there's 22 other women in the book too, or 21 other women in the book. And most of them have never written before either. You know, like that's, that's the interesting thing about writing. You're not a writer until you are a writer. 
hundred percent. I was talking about this with my daughter a few months ago in the sense of what defines an athlete, Mm. similar thing, right. Of just like being at the Olympics is not the only marker of an athlete or being in a professional sports team is not the only marker of an athlete, you know, just this idea that every single title whatever that title may be, author, athlete, there's a million titles that we all carry that we wear the hats on, right? That it's not defined by just that one thing. But I think we can so easily get in our heads about it of like, unless you're on the New York Times bestseller list, you are not an author or whatever measuring stick we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel like we're not worthy or whatever of that. That's right. And and it's true. And, and I was doing the same thing as much experience and coaching that I have purchased or practiced <laughs> or yeah. done, right? And how much self-development and personal development and business development I've done, I was still saying these same things. And so I really had like a bit of a panic attack and um, tried to back out. And she <laughs> said, I'm not letting you back out this time. And I was like, oh, no, you know. <laughs> She was so happy you finally said yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no no turning back. So the time came to do the chapter. And um, so I was in the process of writing it. And partway through, they had um, kind of a marketing and branding call, I guess they called it. And so a bunch of the authors were on this call. It was a Zoom. And and I went I was sitting there during the call going, hmm, you know, look at all these women, you know, and I've got a community of people that, you know, maybe they would like to write a book with me, you know, and, huh, you know, and, and that's what started turning, turning in my head. And so I reached out to the lady that had reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, like, could we do a book? She said, sure, why not? And a couple of days later, I got on with uh, her lady that does all the bookings and, and a lot of the leg work. And we all sat there and, and we're kind of going back and forth about titles. And I said, no, it's conversations over coffee you know, and and there was some back and forth. And, and the lady that uh, I knew for years said, No, she wants conversations over coffee, like it has to be conversations over coffee. And so, so that's what we went with. And here we are, you know, and that's how it happened. It's not magic. It's not even planning. But last October, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Last October, I wrote out a list of things that I would do if I knew I couldn't fail. And I said, I would finish I am like full head to toe goosebumps. I know I would finish my books and I was like, huh. And I had started writing a kid's book at the time and was working on that. Still am. It's not out. Like these are going to beat my kid's book that I was already working on. I would finish my books. So um, by the end of this year, I'll have likely four books. Wow. Believable. So that's, and, but I wasn't, it wasn't planned. I didn't remember that and go, okay, well, what am I going to do for a book? Because that would have, it's interesting. You almost have, you have these ideas and then you let them go, you know, but mm-hmm. if I hadn't written that down and had that as some kind of a weird, strange goal in my future or what I'd be doing if I couldn't fail, when I was sitting there on that call, I wouldn't have seen the option of doing it. You're so right. I think often by like, like, Some people put together vision boards, some people journal and write things down. There's no right or wrong as to how we do this, but you're right. I think so often when we're 
having even just a fleeting dream about something that may or may not be something that's even close enough to maybe even being called a dream yet. You're sort of just having these ideas that are floating around Mm -hmm. and you're not sure what they mean, but I always feel like there's a reason. And I think it's so important to, in some capacity, whatever you want is to, to write them down or record something or type something up, like whatever the case may be so that you can look back because I think we so often don't see those little monumental that don't feel monumental at the time, but now looking back, that feels huge that you wrote that down, even though you were like, okay, I'll write this down. Mm-hmm. And now I see it. And honestly, I remember writing it and I remember going, how did, where did that come out of my pen? Like, <laughs> come from? you know, like that's what I was thinking at the time. Like what book books, what, what do you mean? And now I look back at it and go, wow, look at that. Right. And, and I think a lot of us too get stuck on the specifics right Mm. and and so you got to let go of I think I think this is really important too and and so I've started attaching things like or better (laughs) or better you know like so yeah I want I want to experience happiness right so what does my look life look like if I'm experiencing happiness or joy and well it could be this or better (laughs) <laughs> you know, like mm. so it's specificity is gone and and so what specific specific can I say that again specificity, specificity? <laughs> yeah. that's a big that's a big yeah, word rolled off a couple times really good um but what it does though is it sets up an expectation right and mm. and what I've learned about my life is anytime I've had expectation um it sets me up for disappointment right or or something right so it's it's this or better because I don't yeah. know my way, you know, I could get the blue car, but maybe by the time, maybe I could be disappointed. I think we were talking about a swimsuit as an example, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're mad because your size of swimsuit is sold out in the color that you wanted. And then two weeks later, you get like this beautiful pink glittery swimsuit, you know, and you're like, wow, thank goodness. I didn't buy that blue swimsuit. You know? Yes. You don't, well, it's almost your way. I feel like what I hear you saying, just even in describing the process that you were talking about, about just taking the steps to feeling more um, confident to have conversations with people as you're buying books and like doing some of that learning. I feel like what the piece that often gets missed, I think, is even just leaving space for those like we're so busy which is like a a curse a curse b word you know like we're so busy I hate using that word because it just feels like a crutch as to why we're allowed to be like grumpy or disappointed or whatever in our life and I have been so guilty throughout my life of like saying that and I that's been one of my things that I've like made note of I am not using the b word anymore b word being busy like, no, thank you. It's my choice how I spend my time. And if I am busy to the point of being resentful about said busyness, that's my own problem to figure out as to why there is. And I'm not actually even allowing any space in my life for these opportunities to come to me because my head is down. I'm in the quicksand and there's no getting out and nothing can even get through the wall that I'm putting up around me in my busyness you know that's that's completely the truth and I find that I am I'm really quite a creative person and and somebody said this to me um, at an event one time you are so creative and at the time I was thinking I'm not creative 
And I might've even mm. said that. I might've said, I'm not creative. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I thought creative people were artists or authors right. maybe, or designers or- It's that title again. Mm-hmm. Right? right? And you're so creative. And then somebody different that wasn't even in the conversation said something similar at the same event. And I was like, huh, there must be something to this. And so now what I recognize is that when, when I am enjoying myself the most, I'm not busy for sure. Yeah. Right. And I'm also not creative when I'm busy and I am, I'm very creative. And now I, 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 I take that, you know, I am, I'm very creative. I have ideas all the time. And when I am just checking off that to-do list, yes. I, just, I, I, it stops all that creativity. Cause I'm just job focus. It's like, get it done, get it yes. done, get it done, get it done. Yes. Get it done. And I feel the same way. I used to wear busyness as a badge of honor. Yes, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it was. You know, it was like, okay, I'm, I have meaning because I'm busy. Somebody I'm busy. Right. And, and so that used to be a badge of honor. And now I, uh, I work very, I work very hard not to be busy. Right. I I agree. Being able to say yes to something that feels like it's the right thing to do. And, and there's moments of time and right now is one of them, unfortunately for me, where there's just a lot of stuff to, to get done, to make the book happen. Right. Like it's yeah. like, okay, I gotta get this done and I got to get this done and I got to get that done. Well, and-, and I think there's seasons, right. And I think getting ourselves hung up on feeling like we're in a season where there's more to do than usual. We can get down on ourselves about that too, especially when there were people like us who are like trying to be really intentional about not having this busy, overwhelming feeling around us. I think we can almost beat ourselves up about, you know, but I think that's just the ebb and the flow of it. And I think if we can allow ourselves that flow where we can not be up here at 150 and just be okay that sometimes we're at 40, I really struggle with getting myself below that. I feel like I'm failing people. I feel like I'm letting people down or like there's almost this unspoken expectation I have to myself that I I'm only valuable and purposeful if I'm at 150% for everybody around me, you know, like you can kind of get that voice stuck in your head too, where I'm like, wait a second. Well, and that's what I was talking about, about expectations, right? Because it's only when I have expectations of something um, that I can be disappointed. Yeah. And so I, I, I manage that expectation quite well now. Um, it still creeps up every once in a while, but I do manage the expectation. And, and so if you can go in with an open mind, it makes a really big difference. And I find that I don't have these great big spikes as mm-hmm. much of emotion because I'm not thinking I'm going to get the blue swimsuit and then really disappointed yeah. and then really feeling bad. And then, you know, finding something else and feeling really good. It, it's more manageable because it's, I have appreciation for what I do do find, and that's where the gratitude comes in. I'll get back to the show in just a moment. Let me guess, every time you try to relax, you feel guilty and lazy, like you should be doing something more productive instead, or you're just feeling overwhelmed and easily distracted. Should I check emails, respond to text, answer that Instagram message? You want to be present with your family, but when you're with them, you're thinking of what you need to remember to do for work later. You feel like you're working all the time, but never getting ahead and your bank account and your joy meter are just not aligning. Girl, you are not alone. So many hardworking and brilliant women like you are stuck in the same 
same cycle of overwhelm, exhaustion, and burnout. I was there too. And when it creeps back up on me, I now know how to make it stop and fast. I reveal it all and create a simple step-by-step process for your life and business in the Joy Curator Planning Day. This day is for you if you are ready to have your needs met, feel more energized, confident, and excited about your life and business, and are ready to actively take ownership for leveling your business, increasing your revenue, and your joy. I have never done this before, but starting today, I am offering the Joy Curator Planning Day at an astonishing 50% off only until December 16th. One day, a simple plan, you feeling cared for, and having a whole lot of fun in the process. In-person and virtual sessions are available. Take back your life, find your joy in your business again, and spend more time deciding what actually brings you joy instead of just working in circles. Click the links in the show notes to get all the details. It's a right? Like it's a practice. I think even just feeling our feelings and being able to be self-aware as to why or why not we are feeling a certain way becomes that practice, you know, of those spikes that like, I remember that being so much more extreme, even probably like five years ago, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then it still shows its ugly little head sometimes once in a while. But then I know that I haven't been taking care of myself. Like I'm more aware now as to like, Oh yes. You know, it's like, you can see it coming. And sometimes you're aware that you see it coming and you're like, I need to put on the brakes here. No, 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 no. I don't want this to hit me. And sometimes it still hits. And other times I'm like, Ooh, good. I was able to stop at this time before it got too extreme. And it's kind of just that continual ebb and flow. And that's why, that's why it's so important. And I don't know if I could have said this 10 years ago, but um, to always have a coach or a mentor um, Mm -hmm. because they point out things like that, um, that maybe you can't see because you are in the thick of it. Right. And, and I made a post yesterday and you, you brought it up earlier. Um, because in our author group, we have a little group for on, on LinkedIn for our authors. And it, um, I was, I was feeling very nervous. And a lot of these feelings were coming up for me about who, you know, um, sharing things and feeling really vulnerable. Like I was just like, taking like off there's, all my there's no turning up. back. The well, deadline, a- the deadlines have been here. This is printed. This is going to be out in November here now. And yeah sorry, it's coming out to the world. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's what I was feeling. It was like, Oh boy, what have I done? Right. And, and so I thought, you know, if I'm feeling this way, there must be others that are feeling this way. So I, I, I did a little post yesterday because it takes somebody else sometimes to to you. And in my case, it was, uh, it was my daughter, young daughter, not, you know, like wise beyond her years. And I say, you know, sometimes you wonder as a parent, if things you, you say or do to help your kids or to, you know, try to coach them, right. Remember their coach mentor, you know, and role model. And as a role model, if you're teaching them the right things and stuff. And, and so I was saying, you know, I'm so nervous, you know, like, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, so nervous. And, and she says, you know, mom, like you, you told me, you know, that, that nervous feeling um, or that feeling in your tummy is the same feeling as excitement. And what you told me is that what mattered is what I named it. 
right? The meaning behind it. And, and I went, mm. and well, I, look at you, I, little I lady. Yeah. I, you know, I would, I would have dropped the mic. It was like, mm, good one. You know, it was like, wow. You know, and I was like, huh, I guess she was listening. Like, Yay, they're listening. <laughs> but I needed that. Yeah. I needed somebody to remind me that that feeling in my tummy was it nervous? It probably was nervous, but if I could call it excitement and, and frame the meaning of what I gave it, could that change things for me? And it yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's when people are wearing, and it's not living, it's not living with a false positivity. That's not what it is. It's, it's the meaning you give things and, it, and you can have it mean something different. Right. And you know, when I work with people, sometimes, you know, I'll say, you know, you could have three people in the backseat of a car when somebody cuts the car off and, and the driver has to slam on the brakes. And one person could say, geez, you know, did we hit something? And somebody else could say, oh, is the driver okay? Like what happened? And somebody else could say, oh, look at the little ducks. I'm so glad they didn't get hit. Right. Yes. Like, you don't know. And it's, but it's the meaning that all three of those people gave that would have them have a different reaction. Some people would be yes. yelling swearing and develop that road rage and other people would be like oh thank goodness nobody was hurt and yeah so it's the context that you wrap wrap it in right and so all of us could be going through the same feelings whether we shared something highly personal and and traumatic or whether we shared you know about something that happened or something that they something that they experienced that was really wonderful mm -hmm. we could still be feeling nervous about or excited about sharing it with the world. And, and so it really helped me that day feel differently about the project. And, yes. uh, and so, yeah, sometimes it just needs somebody to point it out. And I called it the elephant. Like, what do you call your elephant? Yes. And um, so I called my elephant inspiration, you know, was I sharing an inspirational story? Or was I having a pity party? <laughs> you know, and I could have gone about it either way, right? Like, but it wasn't a pity me story. It was a part of my story. Mm -hmm. Um that at one point I might've pitied myself, but now I don't. Now I look back at it and go like, look at how far I've come, you know? Mm -hmm. And well, it's whatever I wrap it in. It is, I love that. And I think too, the other part that I think comes up in this feeling scary piece versus feeling, turning that into excitement, because mm -hmm. they really have very similar feelings around feeling scared and feeling excitement. You're totally yeah. right. Like it is how you wrap it in. And I think sometimes our head voice and our gut intuition voice aren't always giving us the same messages and we need to lean into the gut voice, right? Rather than like mm -hmm. this up here that might not always be telling us the truth about it. There's sort of that's where all the stories come in of like, oh, what do I, what am I going to believe today? But I think there's this feeling of how is this information going to be received? And I think there's a whole, I feel like this is like what I've been spending so much time personally and professionally um, trying to practice more and learn more on is that it's not my responsibility how somebody else receives this information, even though I may not like somebody's reaction towards it. That's like my kryptonite, the like idea that if I put my blinders on and just get focused on what someone else may react to a situation or a conversation or an email or like, doesn't matter the scenario but keeping on reminding myself that that is actually not my problem. Mm -hmm. I can just be okay, love it, hate it, neutral, 
fly off the handle, be amazingly joyful about it. It really actually doesn't need to affect me at all because it's not my responsibility to carry that, which is a whole nother thing that is like much easier to say than actually do. But I think it's a practice where I'm, I'm trying to practice. And I think caring less doesn't sound right because that's not the kind of person that I am, but kind of a little bit, just that separation of, I don't need to feel those feelings because it's not about me. I get to just put out into the world what I wish. And I feel the same way as you, like my chapter feels I've shared snippets and pieces of that story, of course, not, not the way that I wrote it for the book, but I've shared pieces of it. It's not a secret story, but just the idea of putting it into a printed book rather than talking about it in a verbal way has felt like a very different process for, for me to really put the pen to paper and be like, when I write, I'm usually journaling and I know nobody's ever going to look at it. So the process of trying to write in a way where I'm writing genuinely and authentically and like imagining it as honest as it can possibly be, but still knowing in the back of your head that this isn't just for me <laughs> was a well, very- And I've thought about that too. You know, like um, what I believe now about myself right or about the world around me is different than what I would have believed 20 years ago but I think it would be strange if it wasn't right and so it has held me back sometimes thinking well what if I write this now and then somebody calls me out on it in 10 years because now I've shifted what I believe or what I think or what I value or what I'm focused on and they go well in that book you know you said this you know and it's like like I I think that's my greatest lesson that I received from COVID and, you know, was tolerance. I I developed a much deeper sense of tolerance and not, not tolerant that I'm going to let somebody beat me up with their words every day or something and put up with it. Not that kind of tolerant, you know, more the tolerance of the acceptance that everybody's really different. Yeah. Okay. And that's, you know, you'll find that when you read the book cover to cover too, I think, because it's a motley crew of people. Like yes. Nobody would be sitting beside each other. Uh, well, that's not true. Not nobody. Uh, there's like you pointed out, like there's a person or two that you knew before, but not everybody. Right. And no. they wouldn't have been in a room. We did a writer's workshop. Um, a lady that we know very well that's in the book, Leanne Durand, hosted a, a workshop for us so that all of us non-writers could, you know, maybe take a little bit of her base skills and and use them when we're writing our chapter. And I looked around the room at the end of that event. And, you know, one person was saying, Oh, I want to go to the spa. Where's your spa? And somebody else says, Oh, I, I heard you're an electrician, you know, can I get your card? And they were all visiting and all talking. And somebody after that event started doing their own coffees. And I was like, I, I, I still I have goosebumps on my arms yes. right now. It's just, knowing that something that you brought together is now going to go and create this other little group group and more people are going to meet and maybe they'll develop more business or get another idea to do something else new. And it's just, it's like that spark or like, you know, or the drop that creates the ripple. You just don't know when it's going to start or where it's going to go. Yeah, it is a beautiful ripple effect. And I was telling you that I've had the pleasure of now connecting with some of these co-authors in real life. And we have a 
book launch party coming up and the actual book coming out. And it just feels like, especially, I think one of the things that feels really beautiful about this is that we live in a relatively small city. It's a city. So obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. So we can't know everybody personally, obviously, but there are times where I feel like it's so it's so small sometimes that you do kind of feel like you're quite connected and you like know people and then this project has completely blown that idea out of the water for me because I feel like there is only a couple like you said of people that I actually know now I know a few more because I've we've reached out to each other and had these like connections beyond just meeting each other at the book launch and like never knowing each other from before, which I know is going to happen at the book launch as well of just being able to really connect with people. But I realized like sort of what a small speck I am again, was re-reminded of what a small speck I am in this world, in our city, even just in this business community that I feel very connected in. It's just been very eye-opening um, in a wonderful way of how there's so many different pockets and circles and it takes one connection to propel you into knowing different people in different places exactly when you were supposed to meet them. Yeah, exactly when you were supposed to meet them and you don't know that you might invite that electrician to do some work at your house and they might point something out which might take you to the sp- a store to buy something and then you meet the love of your life or (laughs) you don't you don't know right like it's yeah it's really that miraculous and and so yeah it's it's fascinating it's it's I love it very fun yeah so in this process as this book has now come to life um I don't know if we've ever said that well yeah I guess we haven't said that volume one and volume two yes filled up so fast that I I accidentally oversold it like I, I didn't intentionally do that what happened was I thought she had said I could have 50 like small chapters or whatever and she'd actually said 30 and I'd already sold 40 <laughs> so so um so we ended up having two and so we split it into two so we've actually got 23 authors in in each book or 23 chapters in each book and and so it ended up being two volumes and in all likelihood, we probably have a third at yeah. some point coming out uh, maybe next year. So I love it. So in this process, as you're making these connections and people are like accepting this idea of being a co-author in a featured author in this book, um, are there any um, moments that stand out to you in this process that really were just like, I don't know, maybe just more, I'm sure you've had beyond many memorable Mm -hmm. conversations and moments, just Mm -hmm. even in your real life conversations. But as you specifically then been reaching out about the book, is there anything that like sticks out to you? Um, well, I think, you know, it was an idea and had gone, Hmm, maybe, maybe this would be a good idea. And then, um, uh, so chapter one in volume one is by a gentleman named Paul Martin, and he's, I would say, quite well known in Saskatchewan. He's a business commentator on the radio and and has a, a business of his own, Martin Charlton Communications out of Regina. And he's just known by everybody. It's right. right? <laughs> and so I had this idea, whatever day of the week it was on, the next day he was speaking at a luncheon. And my daughter was with me, um, my oldest daughter, and she was attending the luncheon with me. So I said, Oh, come and meet Paul. He was one of my conversations. So we walked up and met Paul. And I said, 
you know, by the way, Paul, I kind of have this idea about about doing like this book conversations over coffee. And I would invite, you know, all my conversations to maybe have a chapter in the book. And he says, I'll be chapter one. And I went, oh, because I, I said, like, is this a good idea? I'll be chapter one, he says. And it wasn't even like that. It was like, oh, I'll be chapter one. You know, like yeah. it was really like celebrating your idea. That's how I heard it. Right. And so I was like, oh, well, he thinks it's a good idea then. Okay, chapter one, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh. And then uh, that's how I started talking to people, right? So, and then it was like, well, Paul Martin said he would he would write a chapter. Do you want to write a chapter? And then all of a sudden I had a list of 10 people. It was like, well, these 10 people said that they're going to come and write a chapter. And within, it was almost no time at all. I had all these people wanting to write chapters. And and so it um, it kind of built upon itself, right? It just kept building and building and building the more people that said yes. And it was, it was fun. You know, I, I had never considered myself a salesperson, you know, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like it was something that had to be sold because it was like this labor of love, right? Yeah. And it only became a little bit of work uh, in the summer when I had to now um, select all the chapters from everybody. Right. <laughs> That, it, it, that was that was really difficult. And I think it's because of the same thing we're talking about with this elephant, name your elephant or whatever, right? Like, what is it that's that's stopping you? And there was a lot of people that were, well, you know, delaying, procrastinating. They were stuck because they were scared. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was, that was when this project became the most difficult. And I'd text him again, you know, at the risk of being a bit naggy, you know, like I need this like tomorrow, you know, like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I kept pushing and pushing and, and now we've got a book set to arrive in our city any day now. And yeah, yeah. I, and I just can't kind of wait to read these chapters. I cannot wait to dive in. I just, oh, and I feel like it's going to be such a nice, um, because each chapter is its own. Mm-hmm. nice and a nice easy read of I don't know what all of these chapters are about so I'm very excited about it but just to read almost like a short story book is what I'm imagining it to feel yeah. like right where you're just like reading and then okay I can just like put my bookmark in here I don't need to spend like three hours four hours however long it takes to like read the whole right. book I can just read snippets at a time and like indulge in the story you get to know someone a little bit better and be like okay next little short snippet yeah it's gonna be a it. lot of fun And I think it's going to really cause everybody to feel like they know something. I know the inside scoop, you know, about that or about this. And I think it's just, it's really going to be a lot of fun. And, and uh, the launches are going to be fun. The party's going to be so much fun. We've got, we've got authors, three of them coming uh, specifically that I can think of at the moment that are coming from our town, one from New Jersey, uh, one from Edmonton and one from Winnipeg, all coming in for our party. Yeah, I felt so excited to be able to like pass this around to my people of just like excited and like, again, a little bit like nervous, but was channeling it to excitement again of not wanting it to be look what I did. But look what I did. I need you here with me like this feels big and scary, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's the punctuation thing. It's not look what I did exclamation point. It's like, Oh, my goodness, look what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's a really lovely sentiment too. Like it's, it's something to be proud of, you know, having the courage to put pen, pen to paper and write it down. Well, I am going to link all of the details about the 
both the volumes and how to get a copy and how to learn more about this um, in the show notes here. Before we wrap up this conversation, I want to ask you some quick fire questions oh, to know okay. a little bit more about you. It's always oh, fun to end, okay, end the, the chat. Yeah. Okay. Um, besides writing books, what is one new thing you have tried lately? <sighs> One new thing I've tried lately. Or want to try that you're setting yourself up to try. <laughs> That's a better question maybe for me. You know, I am, um, I have to, uh, I've, I've experienced in my life some imposter syndrome. And it creeps its really ugly head up every once in a while. And then and then I think I'm kind of over it a little bit. And then it happens again. And so it happened just for me this weekend. I was away at a conference and I was brave enough to ask the question. And the man at the front of the room said, well, how do you deal with this imposter syndrome? Like, why haven't you started? And I said, well, I go out and I buy another course. <laughs> Do another course. <laughs> and I said, and I learn more. And then it the, the challenge I've gotten myself into is the more I learn, it's like, oh, maybe like I see how much like every course I learn opens up 20 more yeah. avenues of knowledge that I would love to have. Right. Yes. And so it's, I'll be ready when mm. I've taken this course, this course, and this course. And then I take those three courses and that opens up that much more. And it's like, oh, well, you know what? I better not start yet. You know, I <laughs> ready when I take all those nine courses now, right? And so, yeah. and he's like, well, how's that working for you? And I'm like, not at all, right? And and he he reminded me about how through my tears that I was crying, you know, and it reminded me, or he reminded me that every piece of knowledge that I have right now that I've applied to my life is knowledge that other people maybe haven't had the good fortune to have earned enough money mm. to be able to afford to take the courses. And he said, instead of looking at it as, um, I will know enough when, he says, maybe you need to think about how many people you're hurting by not sharing what you know. Wow. And that, that was like stabbing me because I go through life thinking, you know, I just want to help people. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what yeah. I want to help people, you know, what can I do to help people? Yes. And, and it was like, he was stabbing me in the heart. What do you mean I'm hurting people? You know? And so that, and that was just on like two days ago. And, and so I've really been thinking about this, like, what, what does Jenna want? And that's a hard question for me. Um, Cause the want, you know, want is a very hard thing for me. I, I've, some kind of negative connotation for the word yeah. want, right? yes, selfish or greedy or something. So I asked myself, what would I be doing if I couldn't fail and, and things like that. So I, uh, you know, he really challenged me to think about what I wanted. So I would say that what I'm going to be doing is really focusing in on how I can dial in what I know and maybe sharing it with people more. Love it. And that you is scary. And that is scary. Because <laughs> what if I'm not good enough? Right? Like, yeah, I love that. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, you've shared a number of things about this next question already, but what is one thing that people sometimes misunderstand about you that you wish that oh. they knew? Well, 
probably that I am introverted and it's hard for me to talk to people, you know, and I recognize this at an event. I was, I was at a, uh, me and another gentleman that we, we're always in the same room. Like we're always volunteering, <laughs> doing something, you know, and we're always in the same room, but I thought he was a little bit, not snooty, but aloof maybe. And, and I've been accused of that as well. Right. Mm. And what happened is we were standing in this little group of people and I was, I was sharing a story and he, and it was about how I had trouble talking to people and, you know, I had to develop this attribute of being able to talk to people. And he goes, you too. And he said, oh my goodness, when I was in my big high profile corporate career, I had to, I was challenged that I had to go and learn something about somebody I didn't know in the organization every week. And, and he said, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And ever since then, when we see each other in the room, he's always like, you know, sometimes I think you got to look around the room and the people that you think are aloof or snobby or, um, they're just standing there minding their own business because they don't know how to talk to people. Because it's again a story that we're telling ourselves like that must be what that means about me because um, she's being quiet. Right. She's not talking to me. So maybe she doesn't want to talk to me. That's right. There's something wrong with me. She definitely doesn't like me. Right. Which is not so, about you. It's about the other person. I well, that's that. what I think I'd want people to know. Like, geez, I... I am (laughs) easy to get along with. Like I really am very approachable and very easy to talk to. And sometimes I just, uh, I'm feeling awkward in a room too. And so I just, I'll stand there and I'll just look around. Whereas I wouldn't have even done that before. Right. You would have have just been like running to a dark corner. (laughs) We're off to the washroom, right? Yes. do my perfect for the 44th time. But yeah, no, I, I, but now if I'm just standing there, just like this gentleman was you know, just saying something, you know, and including them somehow, or just like, Hey, you know, I'm Jana, you know, yes. What brought you here? You know, is yes. Yeah. So just come, just come talk to me. That's what I'd probably want people to know. Just, I really am. So I'm really easy to talk to. Love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is a lighter, lighter, easy, easier question. (laughs) I'm going to spin it two ways because I feel like I want to know your answer both ways. Okay. So what food or drink are you hooked on right now? But because you are in the food and beverage industry, I wonder if you have a favorite menu item that's your go-to or do you refuse to eat anything at Tim Hortons because you're there all the time? <laughs> well, and you know what? You might not know all of my story either, which you'll read in the book. Um, but I, I actually say that in the book, you know, it's a wonder I ever eat donuts at all. But I do. My favorite's coconut cream, right? So so that is my favorite donut, coconut cream. But um, and I do still eat donuts, but, um, my favorite, uh, drink at the restaurant right now is something that we were testing in Saskatchewan and it's moving away from being a test. They're going to launch it around like across the chain. But one thing I don't think is going to move forward. And it's, it's just because they can't get enough, uh, supply for the entire system, but it was an infused quencher. So, um, it was like a, a caffeinated cold drink. It was so good because sometimes in the middle of the afternoon when it's a little bit warm out or something, or you're just done with coffee for the day, you want something and, and maybe you want something caffeinated, but 
there's nothing yes. cool, right? And so, oh, it was so good. It was the Blackberry Uzu infused quencher that we were that testing. That is. And they are out right now. So if oh. you're really tune, you should go get one. <laughs> yeah, but. I will. That is my yeah. daughter's. She, yeah. you can get them, the cat, you can get them without the caffeine, right? They're just right? called sparkling quenchers. That's right. So yeah. she gets the Blackberry ones like that because she's sparkling. little and doesn't need mm-hmm. caffeine. Um, do any of us, but yes, maybe I think we do. Um, but she loves it so much. That is her oh. first thing that she asks for every single time she wants a treat. Yeah. And even just the sparkling one, I just, I fell in love with it, you know? And so I think that's how it's going to launch across the chain. But for right now, it still is available in this well, market. We better go stock up here then better, this week. Yeah, better go get a, better go get one or two. It's, love it. it really is. It's become quickly my favorite beverage. And the innovation team at our head office is just knocking it up the park it's they're really doing a good job it is it is delicious I agree um okay two more questions um where are you hoping or maybe you have something booked to travel to next um I do have something booked um we have decided well hold on I shouldn't put it this way I have decided as the (laughs) head of my little bit of family right um and my partner's going along with it. But um, I had come up with this idea, like we've got, we're so fortunate, we've got things, right? And I've I've learned not to, um, I don't like, I just moved recently and I don't appreciate things so much after you have to pay for a mover and pack it all up and yeah. do all that. <laughs> and so I had kind of said, you know, I think what we're going to do for Christmas, we started it last year, is we're going to book a vacation and invite like all the kids can come, they can bring their significant others or whatever. And, and that will be our Christmas gift. So we're not, and it saves so much stress, you know, about, so we started it last year and not having to go out and find something yes. and saving those experiences and those moments and those times together. So I do have that book and it's not where, where it is. It's what it is. It, it yes. has nothing with where we're going. It's just a matter that we're all going to be together every single one of my kids, his kids, uh, our kids, and just all together in one place. Which gets harder and harder as everybody gets older. Good for you. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the intention behind it. And, and it's working. And, you know, my son last year, he had two options of vacations and he had chose to go skiing and not come with me. And I said, I will never be that person that puts that guilt on you. Yes. You know, he said, I've just never skied in the mountains. I'm like, oh, you know, you've, you've had a beach vacation before. I completely yeah. understand. Right. Yes. And we remember how people make us feel. So, you know, I, uh, you know, one day he'll be like, you know, I can make this decision and I'm free to do it because mom won't get upset. You know? Like, yes. I love yeah, that. Yeah. It's freeing. So, so, but personally, personally, you know, I, uh, I gave up a vacation when I got my second restaurant on my own. I had booked, uh, one thing you might not know about me is that I'm a a rescue diver. I was a certified rescue diver. Haven't done it for several years now yet. Wow. I was booked upon a live aboard dive vessel in, in the Galapagos islands to go, to go. Yeah. Paid everything. And then it was announced that I would be taking this restaurant over on this particular time when I would have been there. And so I gave it up and the restaurant turnover went so smoothly. I never should have gave it up. I should have gone on the trip, but I, I would like to get out there and back there and, 
you know, go to Peru and all the other areas around there at the same time. That's, that's one thing that I've always regretted giving up. So I would say that's probably one of the pinpoint targets that I'll be going for. Love it. Love it. That sounds amazing. Okay. Last but not least, what today is bringing you joy? You know, everything, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting. You know, several years ago, I walked around, I just, I did a story about this, just I was at the, so I went to this conference, like this is going to turn around a little bit, but I went to this conference <laughs> and I thought that there was an opening reception on Friday evening. So I got there in time to attend this opening reception and there wasn't one. So I was like, huh. So I was, I was free and what I had wanted to do, this is the thing about the expectations, right? I had wanted um, to go and um there's a thing called IV infusions where you get like an IV drip with vitamins and stuff. And yeah. I wanted to do one, but I have a sensitivity to adhesive. So they turned me down. I, I couldn't do it. And I was instantly disappointed because I was expecting to do that that day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, you know, and I was really disappointed. And so I was starting to walk back to my hotel and I walked through planet Hollywood and I looked up at this big sign and it said, John legend, um, uh, playing and it was his last weekend and so I thought hmm, well it's gonna start like in 20 minutes maybe I should see if there's any tickets there was a ticket in the front row and it wasn't that expensive it was half the price of what the, the thing I was going to do was and I was like god I go to a concert by myself you know like could I do that in Vegas you know I'm gonna and so I did it it was wonderful beyond the fact that it was John Legend and his music is just so good and the show he put on was just magnificent I was in the front row I always avoid buying those seats on the floor because I'm so little that when everybody stands up I can't see anything so uh so there I am in the front row and I'm like I can see I can see yeah and it was so much fun and the people all around me were yeah it was everybody was so friendly and they were so welcoming and I visited with people and it was it was great it was great so now where do where what was your well, question and what is bringing you joy today okay okay so that's what I was so in the middle of the concert I took this little snippet of the concert and you know three years ago I was at an event called date with destiny put on by Tony Robbins yes and we had to choose an affirmation that we were going to tell ourselves and I had um had an experience with my oldest daughter at an event that I had taken her to and somebody said you know well why did you come to this event? And I said, I want to learn to smile. And my daughter said, yeah, my mom never smiles. And I went, oh, no. and it broke my heart. And I was like, oh my goodness. Cause it's one thing for you to know that something's wrong. It's another thing for your kids to see it too, yeah. right? Like my mom never smiles. Oh, it almost makes me cry. You know, like, and sometimes it does make me cry actually. And so I, uh, I recognized one day last week, I was like, I just smiled from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, like my cheeks hurt. Yeah, and there was nothing going on. Like I was doing, I was unloading the dishwasher, you know, <laughs> smile. And, and so at that event date with destiny, I had walked around and the affirmation I was using was I'm so happy. I can't stop smiling. And I was like, I'm so happy. I can't stop. And you don't recognize the changes that you make along the way until you get to your destination. You look, huh, you know, yeah. I need, I need a telescope to look back and see how far I've come. Yes. You know? so I was just like, wow, look at this. You know what I, what I was telling myself has come true. I am so happy. I can't stop smiling. It's just, 
everything brings me joy. You know, the trick-or-treaters brought me joy, you know, yes. unloading the dishwasher and going, geez, I, I really like these dishes, you know? <laughs> yes. you know? Oh, Kimberly wants me on a podcast again. Oh, you know, this is so great, you know, meeting somebody new for a conversation. Everything is, is just bringing me joy. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's the way you look at things. It is. Jana, you are a joy. I am just so <laughs> inspired by you and so grateful that our paths have crossed. And now in these new ways with the book, we're going to get to spend some extra time together in these coming weeks. Um, and I just thank you for sharing so openly about your successes and the challenges and the vulnerability and everything in between. I just, I know that this is just going to be such an eye opener for anybody that gets to listen to this story. So thank you. I'm grateful for you. Join the party by clicking through to KimberlyJoyEvans.com. It would mean the world to me if you would take time to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and listen on whatever platform you choose. Reviews are occasionally selected to be read on the show. If you enjoy an episode and want to continue the conversation, I would love to see a screenshot of the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Joy Curator Podcast. I'm so grateful that you tuned in today. Thank you so much for being a part of the Joy Curator Podcast family. There's always a seat at the table for you here.